Happy Thursday evening, everybody. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading James 1 in the NLT. Yeah, I've been really trying to play with my diet and play with proportion of carbohydrates, fats, and protein. Trying to get, you know, a pump and trying to keep the muscles up and reduce fats. But I think my metabolism, I do need to have carbohydrates and fats. I just need to have it. For me, dieting is just not possible because when I diet or when I try to eat fats, somehow the body just cannot absorb the energy from the fats as it can from the carbohydrates. Like the carbohydrates is digested very quickly and it does release insulin. But if you eat it, if I eat a diet of fats and back down on the carbs, yes, I start to get thinner, but then I start to feel really unwell. Like there's a reason why your body just pulls energy very quickly from carbohydrates, even though fats have a greater amount of energy uh, per gram. I think it's nine kilocals per, per gram. I always get mixed up with the units, but like the bottom line is I like what I'm doing and I just have to have energy. But if I overdo it, it's stress. Because I think that when you try to increase your muscles, you're not really increasing your fat metabolism. You're increasing glucose metabolism. And since you don't have a lot of glucose in your blood, you only have a teaspoon or a tablespoon of, of glu um, glucose in your blood. And you, then you're trying to pull this glucose out of your blood into your muscles to store as glycogen so your muscles get bigger. You're actually kind of subtracting from your energy reserves. And for me, it just, I don't feel good. I don't know how the professional bodybuilders do it and they can walk around and not have blood pressure problems and not have a nauseated stomach, but I cannot personally do it. And now I just feel a whole lot better, more positive, just eating more carbs, um, eating fats like yogurt, stuff like that. Fats do not release insulin and just a little bit of protein. So that's my ramble. And now that I do feel much better, I do feel more positive. And I think that whatever happens in life, if you're not healthy, if you don't feel well, if you're not eating well and you don't feel positive, you don't feel well and you can't really deal with the stresses that come your way through life because because life is stress. Things are going to happen and a lot of things are happening in this world. Anyways, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for health. I thank you, Lord, that we live in, you know, this country. We have so much here, Lord. We should be so grateful, so thankful. We're thankful to you. We're thankful to Jesus. We're thankful for your word. Your word gives us hope. It gives us strength. It gives us joy. It gives us peace. Um, the world doesn't have anything. The world is passing away. Um, the spirit of man may have good intentions, but it's feeble. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us, to live in us, to guide us towards truth, to give us a peace that passes understanding. I'm not in about saying, Lord, I want to feel that power. I want to be part of that power. And I want to do everything I can to further your word and the promotion of your son to others who would want to listen, not try to push something on somebody, especially if they don't want it. So bless us now um, as we read your word, to have fun, to enjoy, but send us the spirit of learning, I pray. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. It says here that this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Now, I think this is James the less. I think he was a half-brother of Jesus because we know that James the greater, who was the brother of John, who was, I guess, James and John were Jesus' uh, apostles. And they were his cousins. They think that, that those two boys were his cousins. They were the sons of Zebedee. 
And Jesus called them the sons of thunder. I guess maybe they had a terrible temper. And remember that their mother was the one who came to Jesus and said, if, when you come into your kingdom, can one son be on one side on the left and on the right? And it's funny how she asked that. And James was the first to die and John was the last. And yeah, they were through a lot. And I do think we will see them um, when heaven comes and when the new covenant rolls over. We will definitely see them sitting on the left hand of Jesus and on the right hand of Jesus. But I'm sure they will be shocked about exactly how it all transpired in between. But this is not that James. This is James who is actually a half-brother of Jesus. And I know in John 7, it says his brothers did not believe. So I'm thinking that this guy really, you know, saw Jesus growing up. He knew kind of that he was different. Maybe he thought Jesus was an oddball. Oh, you got some really great ideas. Or maybe they were kind of like, you know, maybe his brothers, Jesus' half-brothers and half-sisters, could have been a lot like Joseph's brothers, but they really didn't like him very much. You know, they, I don't think Jesus was proud and arrogant, but I'm sure he was saying some pretty grandiose things, some pretty hefty things, and they weren't really buying what Jesus was selling. But I do believe that uh, Jesus came out of that tomb, and I think that is the moment that James became a believer in Jesus. And as the story goes, that when Jesus left, he became the CEO, the president of the Jerusalem church. So he was basically a believer, the head of all the believers in the very cradle, the very embryo of Jerusalem that hated Jesus and hated Christianity. So he's a true believer and he wasn't doing it for money. And as I did hear that he was taken to the top of the temple and he didn't recant Jesus, so he was thrown down and that when they found him down on the ground, he was still alive. So they picked up some stones and finished the job. He would not recant Jesus. Now, what would make a man do that? Well, you figure it out. Faith and endurance. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Boy, you know, I didn't know. I became a Christian. I thought my family was going to follow me. I had no idea. You know, we were in a system that had the Bible, that had, you know, we went to church every Saturday. We called it the Sabbath. But there was a lot of stuff in that system. And I think of that system, that, that system did not trust Jesus. Okay, we were under the old covenant. And I had a very wonderful family. I had two very young children. And, you know, I mean, now I'm, now I don't, now they're older and they're not with me. And obviously the mother is not as well. And I'm like a pariah, I guess. I told one of the people at my church, I'm like a pariah. And she said, don't say that. But, you know, a pariah is a dog that's sort of alone and, and scattered and been kicked. And no, and he's at the top bottom of the food chain. And you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally cool with it because I look I look back at my life and say, I'm the luckiest man that ever lived, that ever walked the face of the earth. I had the greatest mother and father you could ever imagine. My father's 95 years old and he's still alive. And he's coming to see me in July 1st. And I'm so grateful to God for giving my dad such longevity and strength. My dad is like Kryptonian. He's all Superman. I'm only half Superman. I'm like, the other half is my mother. And my mother is weak at weakness and stress. And she died in 2009 from ovarian cancer. But she was the spiritual giant. I'm grateful to her example to me. And I appreciate it more, so much more now that she's gone. But, it, but I look back at my life and I say, it had to happen this way. It has to happen this way. You know, things are going to happen to you. You're going to go, what the blank? Lord, are you kidding me? Is this, is this good? I'm not feeling blessed, Lord. 
But you look back on it in hindsight, it's like, it has to happen this way. Jesus suffered, yes, you're going to suffer. I don't love suffering, I don't enjoy it, I don't like trials, I don't want a trial, I don't want to, I, I don't, I want to get out of a trial and I don't want to go in any, but life is a trial. But God will use these trials, these evil things for your good. And you will come to love Jesus more and love God more, and I do. Because I know now that I know now that God is for me. I've looked at people, I've been attracted to certain people. It's like, wow, you know, if I had that person, my life would be complete. Person had nothing to do with me. You know? Nobody can fill the void inside your heart 100% except Jesus Christ. He's alive at the right hand of the Father right now. He's not a guru. He's not, you know, he's alive. The lady said on Instagram, nobody's coming to save you, get up. Well, you know, because Jesus is coming to save me, I can get up. I ain't going to die. I'm not going to go into a coffin in a cold hole in the ground. The earth is not going to expand like a supernova and crush out earth. And then, and then the universe is going to call for a heat death. That's what the world sees when it doesn't acknowledge God. That's what, that's the hope. That's the destiny you have. The destiny is nothing. Chaos, anarchy, fatalism, nihilism. Good luck with that. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Yes, I need wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. He will not rebuke you for asking. I love that. My heavenly father will listen to me. I love that. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Well, you know, sometimes I've asked God for things that didn't happen or didn't happen the way I wanted it. And then I lost my faith. My faith kind of wavered again. Help me my unbelief, the man said to Jesus. When Jesus asked the disciples, how come you can't heal this boy? What's wrong with you guys? He, you know, and the father said, um, he, the demon throws him in, into the fire and into the water and this and that. And Jesus and, and the father says, if you can, please heal him. Jesus says, if you can. Like, do you know who you're talking to here? And Jesus and the man says, help me, Lord, my unbelief. I have unbelief. I don't have doubts. I just sometimes I just don't believe that God really is going to do what I want. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's he has a better plan. God has a better plan. You may not feel like it for a while, but God is smarter than you or me. He's smarter than everybody. He's smarter than the smartest guy in the world. Who is the smartest guy in the world? Tesla, Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton. God is super smart. Smarter than those guys. He knows what he's doing. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. I don't want to be blown and tossed around. I want to stand for something. I want to be concrete. I want to have a stable life. I, I don't want to be boring. You know, Christopher Hitchens said that his mother said, whatever you do, Chris, don't be boring. <laughs> don't be boring. But you don't have to have all this drama and all this unrest in your life. My goodness, I look at some of these videos with people trying to get on the dating app. So much drama, so much unhappiness, so much, so much ill will. I can't believe it. I can't believe that human beings would treat each other so bad. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, verse 7. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Don't be unstable. Give it to God. Give it to God. You can't figure it out by yourself. You can't carry it by yourself. You're just a human being. You got limitations. You can't carry your cross. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is going to pick up your cross with you if you want to follow him. You will never be sorry 
to follow Jesus. Your heart will be transformed. You will have a peace. And when the light of eternal, when the dawn of eternal light dawns on you and hits you in the face in Revelation 1-7, you'll be so glad you followed Jesus. I guarantee it or your money back. Not in your grocer's freezer. Believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. Well, you know what? A lot of rich people, my dad would say to me, hey, how come uh, the rich, all the wrong people have money? I don't know, dad. Their money won't do anything for them in Revelation 1, 7 or Revelation 19, verse 11. Maybe God is just giving them something because he knows that they're never going to come to him. Hey, I don't begrudge you if you're rich. Some rich people are Christians. Look at Dan Cathy, Chick-fil-A. I mean, he's trying to run a business that's successful and he's trying to promote Jesus. Guy, Dude's rich. I'm happy for him. You should have rich Christian people because they're going to be really good with their money. They're going to they're gonna be thankful and give it back to the Lord. What can I do? Little guy just barely eking it through. But God, God gives to whom God gives. Remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Satan is tempting you and he may be allowed to tempt you. Pilate said to Jesus, hey, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or set you free? Jesus looks at him and says, you would have no power over me were it not given to you from above. Jesus is the one who let these rich guys be rich. Jesus is the one who let all these Hollywood people be rich. Jesus is the one who let, you know, Mr. Bezos and Mr. Elon Musk and all these other guys make money. He is. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was, uh, you know, all this in a bag of chips too. And he said, is this the great Babylon that I've built? And then he went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for seven years. And then when his sanity returned to him, he said, I know now that God sets up and God humbles. God God sets up whom he will and he brings down whom he will. Because Nebuchadnezzar was saying he got humbled, but he said, God is the one who lets you be successful. You didn't do it. Oh, I had these great ideas and I worked hard. That's good because God gave you those ideas and God gave you the strength to work hard. And Esau in the Bible did not thank God for his riches or his wealth, but Jacob did. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. I've been tempted. I've been tempted by things I've seen. I won't doubt it. I won't deny it. I won't elaborate. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm a guy. You know, I've been tempted. I've been selfish. You know, definitely sin has come into my mind. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God said, those who hate me love death. I don't want to hate God. I want God's forgiveness. I want God's patience. I want God's peace. I don't need to be a bad boy. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. And I don't need to be first anymore. I'm happy to be last. But as long, I told my friend in the gym, as long as I keep on running, I said, you're not leaving me behind. I'm here. I don't feel good, but I'm in the gym. He laughed. Constant and consistent. It demands time. Constant and consistent. Doesn't matter if you're last. God is with you. Remember that. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. You know, I found this, you know, 30 or 40 gallon aquarium. I don't know. I mentioned the dimensions. And I thought, it's got scratches on it. So I think there was a cat sitting on top of this thing and he was scratching 
the back of the aquarium and stuff and um you know but it, it, it's not a crack but i'm just saying i was wondering as i was carrying this and, and now i've kind of set it up and it looks rather nice i was wondering did god give me this aquarium or did satan put this aquarium in my path so i'd pick it up and then i'd spend money on all this stuff because i have i have spent a little bit more than i wanted to but that's i'm capping my expenses you know i've, I've got my aquarium set up and I, I like it, but I don't want to overspend, right? I want to enjoy the hobby. I don't want to go bankrupt from it. But I was thinking, you know, God gave me this. God gave me this aquarium. It was in the snow. It was on a curb. I was walking somewhere uh, during lunch when I, you know, hadn't walked there for a long time. And this flipping aquarium is sitting in the snow. And it doesn't have any leaks in it. Can you imagine that? My father in heaven gave me this for free the biggest aquarium I ever had I know it's doesn't sound like much it sounds kind of stupid I know I'm just telling you you'll never meet me so you can't laugh at me God gave me this gift Satan didn't give this to me Satan couldn't care less if I lived or died he'd, he'd rather kill me Satan couldn't care less if anybody lived or died he wants to kill everybody and rule everybody he wants everybody to bend to him because he's a little boss he's a little G he ain't no top G It says that um, whatever is good and perfect comes down to God from, from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Wow, God created all those stars you see, and God will take care of you. God desires. So get rid. Okay, oops, sorry, I kind of flipped there. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He, choose, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. We have been reborn. It's a transformation. Jesus is working a new birth in us. But we have to let him. You can choose to let Jesus work in you or you can refuse. God gave you free will. You can either accept him or you can refuse him. But if you want to accept him, then let him do his work. God will begin a new work in you, as says in Philippians 1, 6, till the day of redemption. Praise God. Where are you going to get a message? Where are you going to get words like this? Where are you going to get this? What, 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 what organization is telling you um, this? This is not just feel-good words. This is hope. This is truth. This is the future. Embrace it. Why not? Maybe you have been fighting against God your whole life. I came back. I came to God when I was 53 years old. I was in something. I thought I was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. But something in my heart wanted more than what I had been given. That I can tell you. I just wanted more. Maybe my talents far exceed my actual abilities. But who cares? I just know there was something missing. I wanted more. I know it sounds corny. Maybe everybody has a certain time. Maybe some people are later rather than sooner. You know, some people like Charles Stanley, they get converted at six. They know they're a Christian. They know there's Jesus. I think I did it a lot later than Charles Stanley but it doesn't matter Charles Stanley can is preached to his ten thousands and his ten millions and the tomorrow Christian can preach to one or two if they want to hear it I'm not a preacher I'm just happily reading the Bible out to anyone who might want to listen somehow the God of the internet allows you to do good things rather than just waste time on TikTok videos he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. I love that. God values me. 
I feel special. I do feel proud and entitled because I have God. God thinks I'm extraordinarily special. My parents, you know, I, my parents loved me to the moon and back. I couldn't do any wrong with my mom. It wouldn't matter what I said or didn't say or what I said, didn't do. As far as I saw, my mother thought I was the smartest, most handsomest guy in the world. Well, maybe next to her husband, of course. But you know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. That's really amazing. And, you know, you want that validation from somebody else. And you don't get it. But you know what? As much as my mother valued me, and maybe I didn't reciprocate when I was younger. I took it for granted. I do think about it now. But God values you way, way more than you can possibly imagine. You can't comprehend it. People hear that all the time and they became hardened to it. They say, I don't feel that or my life doesn't show it. I don't think so. Jesus came Jesus came to put away the sins so that you and your Heavenly Father could be reconnected. God sent His Son. God sent God in the flesh. God sent a man who never sinned. He was perfect in all His ways. And His destiny on earth was a cross to give you grace, to cover your sins. Man, mind-blowing mind-blowing God's love I I think I shake my head I can't comprehend it it just gets it gets better and better sign me up understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires I can learn a lesson from this I get frustrated real fast I get very angry I get very upset when things don't go well I guess the Lord's teaching me patience but I'm a bad student So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. You know, this guy sounds very practical. He doesn't mince words. (laughs) You know, Jesus was a stonemason. I heard that he was a carpenter, then I heard he was a stonemason, and someone said they don't have a lot of wood in Palestine. They they actually import it. So I don't know. Maybe this guy was a stonemason too. Maybe he was a carpenter. Maybe... Maybe these, you know, between Jesus and his brother, they were working, helping their father. You know, they were tough guys. They weren't just namby-pamby, you know what I mean? They were tough. You had to hustle, okay? That's the food for the family. And I mean, this guy sounds very pragmatic, very practical. You know, he's got Jesus in his, in his heart now. And now it's like, okay, no time. This is brass tacks. No time to fool around now. You know, gr- great to sing songs and do... St- and And... Great to sing songs and praise and stuff like that. Great to stand around. But now you got to do work. God's going to do the work in you. So you're saved for good works. So you're going you're gonna to do that on the outside. You're going to work for the Christian church. So hard sometimes to get people to do things in church. Like you ask people to do something and then they're not there the next Sunday or something. You can't depend on people. Reliability. Guarantee, guaranteeability. durability toughness conservatism not freaking out not instability these were the things that made Canada great and America too these were the things that made that country these are the things that made families stay together long term forgiveness trust marriages forever relationships were, were solid not whimsical and flimsy like they are now These are the things that made America and Canada tough. These words in the Bible preached every Sunday to people 
and the Holy Spirit got into their minds and into their hearts and into their hands to do everything good and excellent for the Lord. Where is that spirit gone? Is it gone in the world? Maybe it is, but it's not gone in us. That's why we're doing this. We want to be the best. We want whatever your hand finds, do it. Do it with all your heart and your soul and your might. And if you fail, it's okay. It's okay to fail. Just don't stop trying. And if you want to switch to something else, maybe whatever you're doing is not your thing. You'll find what you need to do. God will help you find it. But just don't listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What's the perfect law? I was told when I was younger, it's the Ten Commandments and we have to go to church on Saturday. That's not the perfect law. That's the moral law. That's the law of the earth. That's for people who have to follow rules. Well, follow the moral law then. Even if you don't want to do it in your heart, follow the moral law. But the perfect law is the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2 You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what America had. That's what Canada had. People could unlock their doors and go walking somewhere. You didn't have to worry about weapons and assailants and all kinds of things. We had a, we had a video today at our workplace. We have to take the video about what happens if an assailant comes into the building. And my co-worker, who is not religious at all, said, This is so sad we have to take this. I kept my, I kept my peace. Because at any time I mentioned God, she just flies away. But yet she's asking me questions. And the answer is, because the world has become loveless. I just keep thinking of Matthew 24. Love shall wax cold. It's a ruthless, rough and tough, dog-eat-dog, rat-eating world. I don't eat rats, but you know, you know what I was trying to say. Maybe that's not how our society was. Maybe that's how other countries have been. And we have been so blessed, but now we're devolving. The law of liberty when you could have peace and you could have rest in your relationships. Not happening anymore. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I think the perfect law is the law of Christ. It's the law of God. It's the, it's the commandments John talks about in 1 John 3. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the spirit that God wants to put in you through his son, Jesus. That's sanctification. That's lifelong. That's the spirit that gets things done. Verse 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. The internet is cool, but sometimes people run their mouth like diarrhea on these social apps. And they, as one guy said, they tell on themselves, the tell on themselves, the bad behavior, what they're going to do to somebody, how they feel, the anger, the shouting. Like, it's unbelievable some of the stuff I've seen. You know, and you just got to wonder what's happening inside people. What's happening to people? Why, you know, why is everybody so up in arms? Why is everybody so at edge? 
Verse 27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Don't let the world corrupt you. Thanks for your time. God bless each and every one of you. Take care.